Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 30 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Our uh, our time in Waco is almost up, which is a little bit bittersweet because it's been amazing here and and I'm really learning to love it. And uh, But my body needs a break. You know, I'm not as young as I once was and bouldering for months and months on end is hard. It's starting to tear me up a little bit. So definitely need a break, need to reset and uh, get back into some, some training. Uh, from here, I head to see a few friends and hang out with some folks. And then I go to St. Louis to MC the So Ill Showdown, which is, in my opinion, comp of the year. So if you happen to be around St. Louis uh, at the end of March, I believe it's March 23rd, 24th, 25th, somewhere around there, uh, definitely stop through the So Ill Showdown and say hello. And then Nate and I are sticking around St. Louis for the week following uh, to do a week's worth of workshops. We're going to do a sport climbing workshop, a bouldering workshop, uh, a hangout with us. You can just come and boulder with us. And also we're going to do our very first live power company podcast um, right there at the So Ill Gym. So if you're in St. Louis, uh, please come and see us. If you're interested in doing private sessions, we're going to be around all week. So hit us up and and we can hang out with you in the gym. And uh, speaking of sessions and working with people, Nate has a few openings in his custom plans. Uh, These are rare. He's got some people out on trips who aren't training right now. So uh, definitely hit me up via the website, powercompanyclimbing.com, if you're interested in getting in on a custom plan. They're normally sold out, so now is the time. Uh, Today, well, first off, you know what? Let me tell you guys this. You're all waiting on the Moonboard episode. It's coming. I promise you. We've got something really exciting that won't happen. I won't be able to get it until next week. And next week is when the final piece of this Moonboard episode will come together. So you guys will have it shortly thereafter. It is priority number one once I have the final piece in place. So it's coming. Don't worry. Uh, But today I sit down with uh, Jonathan Segrist. Actually, I don't sit down with him today. That's a total lie. Here I am lying to you guys. Um, I sat down with him last summer in Estes Park. And uh, we talked about, you know, what it takes, what kind of shift you have to make mentally and how you have to let go of your ego to make changes when what you've been doing is working. And I think that's something we all go through at some point. So I am going to let... J-Star, Jonathan Segrist, take it over from here. Maybe don't know. That's what this is all about, right? It's like you kind of come to the end of the road and you have to have the foresight to say, I'm going to try something a little bit different. This time, this time, power. Power. This time, the bill. So really what I want to talk to you about is 
you know, you were climbing at a really high level to begin with, like before you ever really started focusing on structured training mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you had kind of, if I understand correctly, and stop me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you had kind of followed the same uh, way of doing things uh, for a lot of years. Yeah, definitely. And that got you to to a really high level. Mm-hmm. You know, you were climbing 14D just doing what you'd been doing. So what I what I'm interested in is what causes you or what allows your ego to be like okay, we need to change things up. Yeah. You know, what's what I've done to get here's been working, but I need to change some things instead of just keep doing what's been working. Yeah. Um well, I think that that that's a challenge that a lot of people are going to have to face cuz the more I hear people talk about training and I hear people talk about um, changing their climbing. I think people are just so obsessed with volume. And that was like the biggest thing for me is uh, I was um, all of my training up until that point had been like volume based. Right. So yeah. Cause you go out and you do, you know, you yeah, do I just do as much as I could. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the gym I would do the same thing. And then, I uh, I was running a lot, which is something that I was really motivated by. And I also was convinced, despite hearing from so many people, that right. running was going to help my climbing. And you were going pretty hard running. Yeah, for sure. No, especially like the summer I lived in Lander, um, I was, I'd run in the winds uh, like three or four times a, a week and it'd be right. like at least 10 miles, sometimes 15. That sounds heinous to me. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly, I really miss it a lot, but... Um, but yeah, I heard enough from enough people that, um, suggested I change the way I kind of approach my climbing and mm-hmm. my training. And, um, it was really hard cause I, cause like you said, I, I mean, I was coming from a place of like, well, this is working for me, you know? I mean, I mean, I've gotten to where I am at that point. I had kind of plateaued for like probably three and a half years or something. Okay. Um, I climbed my first 14 D in 2010 and, um, that was like a pretty big breakthrough for me in the fall of 2010. And then, um, I probably didn't climb anything harder than that for up until early 2014. So, so you were ready for a change. Yeah, I was ready for a change. And, and also I really wanted to, to like have another breakthrough in my climbing and, um, and yeah, like I said, I, I definitely had to make myself vulnerable in the sense that I, I was like, this works, you know, it's really hard to like, let go of these patterns that we create for sure. And to be like, and to hear, you know, someone tell you that kind of everything you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, certainly not everything. I obviously it right. worked for, it for got the, you there. Yeah. But I kind of, it, it felt like a risk for sure. And when I first talked with when i first spoke with mark anderson um he just again and again and again tried to assure me that it it would work and that it wasn't a risk and and um uh, but regardless it felt that way and and for the first month or month and a half of kind of changing things i was really skeptical you know and really like yeah after every session you're like this shit isn't working yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and and it's just hard because especially with the whole volume thing <clears throat> i was under the impression i think a lot of people are too still that you just 
you know, if you're not leaving the gym completely exhausted or leaving the crag completely exhausted, that you're not, you know, you're you're not having it seeing anybody. Right, you're not getting a workout. And that and and certainly for the first little while, I was, you know, a lot of days I'd leave the gym and be like, I could go for another, you know, six hours or something, you know. But I guess I'll just stop now and and you know, oh, I'd love uh, rest day comes around. Oh, I'd love to do a sixteen mile run with my dog, yeah. but instead I'm gonna sit here, you know. And that was really hard for me. Yeah, I bet that was tough for you because I remember having Thanksgiving dinner with you at Miguel's years ago. And, okay, yeah. and you and Angie Payne were having this conversation about rest days. <laughs> yeah. And at the time you hadn't taken more than like two rest days in a row or two or three rest days in a row oh, in years, years and years. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it was it was based on a couple different things. One was that yeah, I was like obsessed and I and I really felt like the volume was helping me. And second, it was also like um I do think that early, especially early on in your climbing um, I started climbing when I was 18. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for the first, you know, six, seven, even eight years, it's true that if I took a week off, like I would climb differently. And, sure. I, and I think that for most people, that's true, you know. And now it's different. I've been climbing for 12 years and um, I feel like I could take you know, three days off is like not a problem at all. Like it, it's only helpful. A week off, maybe there's like one day where I feel a little like awkward like you have to and get then back it's like totally it. back yeah. to normal, which is something that you kind of have to earn, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so it was partly driven by that, by that that like authentic feeling of being like, oh, I don't climb as well as I did a week ago or whatever. Um, but also it was just me, I had, the, I had this strong impression that, you know, climbing was an endurance activity and I should just, just climb until I was exhausted or run until I was exhausted every day. Right. And during, you know, during the initial years of your climbing, that volume is probably the right thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, it, and a lot of you're people, learning a lot. Totally. And, and I think it's like just getting the hours of experience under your belt. Um, you know, at the elite level, climbing is really strength based, but, mm-hmm. um, in the beginning stage and the middle stage and even the high level stage, like that's a lot of skill acquisition. And I think, you know, a a mistake that a lot of people make nowadays is, um, I mean, people come, I've had people come to strength training seminars I've given or, or ask me directly, you know, I'm a, I'm a 10 D climber. I really want to break into 11 a, like, can you suggest some hangboard routines for me? And I'm like, no, go rock climbing, go rock climbing, go climbing as much as you can. And I, and I, you know, I asked them a little more about like, are you challenging yourself when you're in the gym? You know, how many days a week are you going climbing? And when I hear, Oh, not really. I kind of just play around in the gym and I climb one day a week. I'm like, that's the reason why you're not improving. It's not because you need to buy some book or like change your diet or Mm. anything like no i i'm a pretty strong believer that you should just climb and try and challenge yourself and climb on different rock types and go outside as much as you can until you're even a mid 513 level climber in my opinion yeah i would say i i would agree with that to a point i think i think different people plateau in different places you mm-hmm. know and then they mm-hmm. need to change things up but but definitely the majority of what we do here is 
you know, just structuring people's sessions so that they're not just going into the gym and playing around. You know, yeah, it's, it's totally. 90% totally. rock climbing. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that that's great. And I do think that like we've just talked, I mean, to, you don't have to be training to improve at your climbing, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, when you're really nearing your personal capabilities, I do think that you have to eliminate all variables possible and train in a really, really smart way if you want to improve, period. Um, but for many, many years, it I think it really benefits people, like you said, just to have structure, just to go into the gym and kind of know a little bit what they're doing. And it can still just be a fun climbing day with all your yeah, friends. for sure. But you know, there's, there's so many different ways you can go into the gym and and just climb roots or go bouldering for three hours. And and one way will benefit you a lot better than the other way. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've heard for years about people saying, I don't want to train, you know, I climb because I love climbing. I don't want to go train. Yeah. But but if training can be a really structured, fun session, Yeah, you know, it it doesn't have to be lifting weights or hangboarding or doing pull-ups or whatever. Mm -hmm. The majority of people are going to get more out of just climbing and trying trying interesting fun things instead of just doing the same old thing every time totally yeah so i'm curious when when mark was first talking to you first Mm -hmm. off did you did you approach mark or did he approach you and say here's something you could change in your climbing um it was a little bit of both so i i was at the time um it was 2013 and during the whole summer i lived in lander Mm-hmm. which was awesome and i dearly missed that place um but i was climbing a lot with bj and with yourself and anyone that was around the whole 307 crew yeah and um i had a good summer um i i climbed a lot of great stuff i was doing a lot of bolting at wolf point at the time and i ran into mike anderson one day when i was climbing at the um erratic mm-hmm. i was trying moonshine and Mike was there and he was trying ghost moon or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, okay. but he was totally kicking ass. And, um, I had in the back of my head that I wanted to go to France the next year. And I really wanted to go to say and I wanted to try hard and all these things. And I knew that I was going to have a structured training period during the winter. And basically, um, Mike happened to be there. He took some pictures of me on, on moonshine and he published them in the book and he also asked me you know hey we me and my brother and i are writing this book and we'd love it if you could take a look at it and maybe you know give us your two cents for the back page or whatever yep cool and so he sent me a digital copy of the book and it was like i read one chapter and i was like i called both of them immediately and i was like i want you to train me basically cool because it was it was what i needed it was like scientific and it was like more like engineering or something and right. less like kind of, I, I like the, way. yeah, yeah. And, and for me, like as a, like my character, I needed that mm-hmm. to feel like I could kind of give up everything I had done. I, I wanted something that felt like it was proven, you know, and, and it felt mm-hmm. like really well structured and yeah, less risk. That's yeah, exactly. What, that's what you were looking for. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then, you know, I basically said, you know, here's your quote for the back of the book. And by the way, you know, do you, could I pay you guys or whatever to help me this winter? And Mark was really gracious and basically just like uh, uh, generous and just was like, come out to my place on, you know, whenever you can. And we'll, I'll take you through a couple of sessions and, you know, I'll kind of help you along. And 
and whatever. And pretty much since then, I still write those, both of those guys when I have questions. Um, over the years, I've really tailored, I've, I've kind of taken, I'd say like what I do is 70 to 80% of, of like the uh, rock prodigy system. Mm-hmm. And I've changed the last 20 or 30% to kind of accommodate um, what I feel works best for me personally. But sure. I, but I mean, I still think that uh, by all means, those guys are like legends when it comes to training. And I think yeah, that for they, sure. Um, they helped me immensely. Um, if for nothing else than just to be like, Hey, you should try this, you know, and having it come from two dudes who I knew only had a few free hours a week to, to try. Right. And they're really dialed into what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and they have to be. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how that all came about. Cool. Yeah. So, so you didn't have to be convinced necessarily. It was, you had already, you had already internalized the idea that you needed to do something a little different. Yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to do something different. And I think I had a few ideas of what I would... Because the whole time up until then, I never had a coach. I never had any kind of... I mean, I had taken tidbits from here and there, but I never was on a climbing team. I never competed. I never had any direction from anyone else. It was mm-hmm. just like me kind of figuring things out, totally trial and error right. by myself. And... I think basically I had come to terms with the fact that if I wanted to break through and if I wanted to change my climbing that I needed help and I didn't know exactly how that would come. That was just like the idea floating around in my head and then kind of that day at the erratic and, and then later seeing, um, seeing this text was like, Oh, this is clearly it. You know, I'll try this, you know, and I didn't know if that would work or not, but I was like, well, I got to try something, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I know you you eventually, I don't know if it happened right away, but you eventually started bouldering more. Mm-hmm. And you didn't consider yourself a good boulder at no. that point. And, you know, some definitely people can look at it and go, what the hell is he talking about? He didn't consider himself a good boulder, you mm-hmm. know, because you were doing V12s pretty fast right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But for you... You know, and you know when compared to your what you're doing on routes, V12 wasn't what you wanted to be at. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, <clears throat> up until so last summer was the first time I started doing more bouldering, definitely in the gym, mm-hmm. and because in the end, kind of what I discovered was that through all the years, I mean, before I started climbing, I was racing mountain bikes, so I had a really strong foundation in like cardiovascular fitness, and I yep. knew how to train volume really well intervals all that kind of stuff right so when i came into climbing i totally just applied that same i was like oh climbing is you know i'm thinking like oh i'm getting pumped and i'm breathing hard it must be an endurance activity Mm -hmm. uh so i pretty much applied all the things that i learned from mountain biking and and training in that sense and into climbing which like like we established worked really well for me for many years the thing that really changed for me was and and I think having a third party, which is why having a trainer, having a coach is so important to have yeah. someone other than yourself telling you what you're good and what you're bad at. Yep. <laughs> Cause it's for really sure. easy for me to say, I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. And I'm most of the time I'm wrong. Yeah. We always think we're better at something or think we're worse at something totally than we actually are. And so that was really beneficial to have Mike and Mark. I mean, they went to the extent of like watching all the videos I had been in they came and climbed with me and when, mm-hmm. you know, watched me during training sessions and they were like, okay, here's what you suck at. Here's what you're good at. And they were like, you know, you're exceptionally good at this and you're 
pretty bad actually at this and and i knew that already you know but it was kind of like oh man you know like hearing it (laughs) officially hearing it from somebody but that's what i needed you know and and basically what we came up with is that my my power which still to this day is really lacking and um you know uh my stamina was great and and my strength was generally okay but it could still be improved and and the net result was like don't ever train stamina again basically you know i right. had been doing like tread wall sessions like going to the gym doing 25 laps or whatever yep. every day and it was basically like just don't do that yeah that stuff comes back so fast yeah and so. i and i and that was the scariest thing for me like letting talking about vulnerability and whatever it was just completely letting go of that and mm-hmm. and i will say right now that since uh i since the winter between 2013 and 2014, I have never, I, what I would personally consider, I've never trained stamina or endurance since then. Yep. The only thing I've trained is strength and power. And the stamina, I mean, yeah, I get pumped sometimes. And last summer I took five weeks and didn't tie in once and only bouldered. And when I came back to climbing roots, I was like depressed for two weeks. So I was like, <laughs> this is the only thing I'm good at. And now I'm bad at now it. Bad but at uh, it. it came back around, you know, and it was okay. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, that was really what I needed. And and so, yes, to answer your question, like from minutes ago, um, bouldering became mostly indoors, but bouldering became a huge element of my training. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, albeit at a much lower level than you. Um, I got to 13C by training only endurance and stamina. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then I made the mistake of going, okay, I need to start bouldering. And what I would do is I would go into the gym and do these long boulder problems mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. resembled routes more mm-hmm. than they resembled boulders, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm like, I'm not getting any stronger you know, but it was yeah. my own mistake. Yeah. W- did you tend toward that at first or did you, did Mike and Mark or did you yourself just force the idea of doing short, hard moves, little short sequences? How did you go into bouldering initially? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly, I, I think what I tended towards less than doing longer boulder problems was again doing volume with bouldering oh yeah yeah. so i would go into the gym and do a lot of problems like like for me maybe you know i would have a circuit of you know v8s and nines or something and do like 10 of them right which is not at all what i needed you know what i needed was to go in and try something at my limit Mm -hmm. for an hour and then quit yeah, <laughs> you know, which sure. that was a, another really it's hard. It's really thing. hard for people to learn in general. Totally. It's, yeah. it's a, that's a really tough thing to connect with mm-hmm. is failing on a move or two over and over and over yeah. and then just quitting before you're, yeah. before you've run yourself into the ground. Totally. But I mean, it brings up, in my opinion, one of the golden rules about training is if it's not like hard and to some degree uncomfortable, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to create any growth. And yeah. I think that goes for all things in life in general. I mean, yep. emotional, um, certainly physical, mental, whatever, you know, and that was me just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm bouldering now, I'm training, but I also kind of like found my comfort zone. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I think inevitably um, 
I think that the the message came full circle for me last summer when I was living in Estes and I decided I actually came to climb a route on the diamond that I was really motivated on, but it ended up being too wet. And so I decided, well, I have a month of time here, a little more. So I guess I'll try this bouldering thing. And it was like the second or third day I'd ever been to chaos. Right. I didn't tie in or do anything but climb in upper and lower chaos. And then, then for oh, a little over a month. And that's when the message came full circle because I was, I, I set a goal for myself and um, I started trying boulders that were really hard or hard for me, you know? And then it was like, oh, you know, I kind of learned like, okay, try once, rest 10 minutes, try again. You know, maybe I only try this boulder six times, seven times. Right. And then I hike out. Mm-hmm. And that was how I started to like, finish boulders as opposed to and furthermore i i set a goal that was like like uh, partially numeric well totally numerical like i wanted to climb a certain number of a certain grade and in order to do that it was like damn dude i you know i can't you know i could have easily done three times as many v10s but what i really wanted to do was climb routes that were or boulders that were really hard for me so um so that kind of and I'm really, I'm super goal oriented, like, like maybe even to a fault where I kind of can't let go. Like once I emotionally commit to something, it's really hard for me to let go of it. Yep. And I think that that was the kind of kick in the ass I needed to be like, oh, and kind of really come full circle and really understand the whole power thing, understand the whole like, like limit bouldering thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, did you watch other boulders? how they structure their sessions totally, up there totally and and kind of steal from what they were doing totally yeah i can remember one day i was bouldering with nick duddle who's an outstanding boulder and um in between tries he would like lay down yeah you know, like lay on the ground <clears throat> and do nothing for six minutes or whatever mm-hmm. and i was like huh that's that's pretty sick and um and especially coming from a root climbing background where it's like you're either belaying or climbing all day, basically. Maybe yep. you take a break for 45 minutes to eat lunch, but it's right. like there's always action. Like if you're not climbing, it's because you're belaying your your buddy. Mm-hmm. And then when it's your turn, you're going a muerte or you're hanging on, hangdogging on the root forever. So there's kind of like if you want to boulder really well, I mean, yeah, it's it's you can't take the same attitude towards it. You really have to be like, okay, I'm going to give full effort and then chill. And then give full effort and then chill. And I really learned this really well on the automator, which was the first V13 I ever did um, because I was, I learned after the first day of trying that like, if I went too like aggressive at the boulder, it's like um, for people that don't know, it's like probably like V10 ish to a really hard move right at the finish. And it's, and it's a little bit longer um, maybe like 10 or 15, 10, 12 moves or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, I just, I learned pretty quickly, like, okay, I can give one really good try. If I rest 10 minutes, I can give another really good try, but I could feel like if I only rested four minutes, the try was so much worse. If I only rested eight minutes, it was, you know, and I kind of just like found that sweet spot and thankfully I found it pretty early on in my like quest to do these boulders. And so then I just applied that same mentality to all the other boulders I did and it worked like it worked really well. Yeah. That's really important. I think, I think that people often make the mistake of 
looking at the grades that everyone else is climbing and not paying attention to the way they structure their day or, Mm -hmm. or just the, you know, the mindset they take into it. You know, chances are when you were going out climbing with Nick, he was probably climbing boulders at a higher level than you were at the time. Yeah. So instead of you just throwing yourself at the same problems, you took what he was doing to approach that problem and applied it to your own climbing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I've, I've never been the best at anything. And so it's always really helpful to, I'm not going to pretend like I know how to do things better than, right. Than, you know, anyone. And that's what, and that's what makes you good at things is because you, you're able to watch, take a back seat and then apply that to your own climbing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, especially, you know, the one thing that I'm kind of like excited about right now is like all these different, like the interdisciplinary climbing thing, you Mm -hmm. know, um, you know, we're talking about bouldering and I've, and I've, uh, done that largely. I'm a little more excited on just bouldering now than I was before, but largely I've done that to improve my root climbing. Um, but I think like all the different disciplines of climbing all lend such an incredible, uh, insight to the other disciplines of climbing etc etc and so i guess in that sense it's like yeah damn right when i go to spain and i climb with chris sharma i'm like dude like the dawn of american sport climbing yeah i'm like gonna watch what guy does you know when i go out bouldering and you know i'm like looking around the corner and i see daniel or tyle endeman or like you know, many and many of the other like exquisite boulders that live in and around Colorado. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, what's homeboy doing over there? Cause he like those bros and girls for that matter, plenty yeah. of girls yep. in this state. Um, I'm like, what, you know, I want to learn. And likewise, when I go climb on a wall with Tommy, it's like, I'm never trying to give Tommy any tips on how to rock climb. I'm yeah. just like taking back seat, <laughs> man. Like, okay, this is how you build an anchor. Okay. Here's how you go to the death. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, in the you know on the flip side, I'm sure there are times where you're like, where you're he's treating you like a peer as well. Like, what do you think about this beta, or you know, what works here? What do you think about this? You know, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a great example is like in 2012, I went with Tommy to um, Yosemite for six weeks to try the Dawn Wall, and that was like by all means he was the teacher and I was the student, you know, and I was Mm -hmm. just like trying hard to keep up, you know, the whole time. And I learned immensely from that and it was so sick. And then in the spring of 2014, we lived together in Seyuse for several weeks and he ended up climbing uh, 14C, which he hadn't done in like a decade, which was so sick, you know? And at the time I was trying biography and it was awesome to have that same exchange in like a little bit in the other way, you know? And he'd be like, He'd be like, at the end of the day, you know, he'd be like, man, I think it's going to rain on Sunday. Do you think I should try tomorrow or should I rest two days? Or I'm not that, I'm kind of tired. How many tries did you, you know, whatever. And it was like, oh, cool. You know, we can all just like kind of powwow together and all just like grow as climbers. And yeah. And I fun. think climbing is this like, climbing is a, a selfish sport. I mean, For it sure. just really yeah. is. You're, yeah. you're out there chasing your own goals all mm-hmm. the time. And, and it's really easy to get caught in that and not pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. And 
it's I feel really fortunate to have gotten to climb around guys like you and BJ and Daniel and you know I, I get to climb around some big names and I use that I use that time to learn you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean and there are specific examples I remember watching you go up a project in the red and your mm-hmm. first time up it you just went up with a stick clip like there was no yeah there was no charade of I'm just gonna do all the moves first try you're like I'm yeah. gonna go up I'm gonna identify holds I'm gonna make this easy on myself yeah you know do yeah. it efficiently yeah and that was a, a light bulb moment for me like wow you can you know if I'm approaching something really hard mm-hmm. I don't have to just bang my head against it and fall 40 times at the same move I yeah. can just go up identify what's going on and then start trying the pieces and that was huge for me and I watch it with BJ you know I learn a ton from him mm-hmm. just about the mindful approach to climbing and and he accepts my beta which I think is cool you know mm-hmm. he's while he was working on this uh, mutation project mm-hmm. he changed some of his beta based on my beta for the the individual pieces yeah. things things he had climbed you know hundreds of times yeah he's like oh maybe that foot works better let me try it yeah you know and I think that's what makes good climbers good yeah is they're willing to take the back seat and, and accept learning you know it's for not sure. it's yeah. it's a selfish thing to them for sure but they're able to open up and include other people's thoughts into that mm-hmm. so and i think that's probably <clears throat> the important part of what you did when you shifted to let me just let mark and mike kind of take over and tell me what to do yeah yeah and i think that's pretty cool has it have there been moments where what you were doing didn't work or you felt mm-hmm. or you got frustrated with what was going on um for the first year um it was just like a just like a straight upward progression and it was awesome and i was and it built i built so much <clears throat> motivation to train and i mean i would feel like stronger every week it was right. awesome and which is which is cool but kind of sets you up for i know exactly disappointment exactly the next exactly yeah. um and you know i think the reason why is because i they helped me really pinpoint some of my weakness mm-hmm. and i worked hard on those things and um and yeah i mean it worked really well for me um but for sure you know uh, no matter how good a tool is it you know can only work for a certain amount of time and it can only help you improve to a certain extent um and i i think i found a great tool by working with them and by by following the program uh for the most part um and then, yeah, kind of this spring, um, and a little bit also last year, I just saw again using mostly the same tool. I had adjusted things a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just saw it, it. It wasn't as beneficial as it as it was before, which right. makes total sense. Yeah, and I and I came to basically a realization, especially this spring, um, where you know, I had I felt as though I basically. Uh, exhausted the capabilities of at least for the meantime of this tool and um i wanted to try something different and i think both mentally and physically um i had spent like two years roughly if i wasn't training my ass off i was pretty much like at the crag trying to climbing full time trying to yeah trying to send near my limit you know and that just got 
like uh that just kind of wore out on me a little bit um i only took probably i think i took like an eight day break in 2014 and last year uh, but otherwise i was either training or climbing like every day other than occasional rest day so that's, um, that's tough on a lot of levels that's tough yeah emotionally because i know you're the type of guy who gets emotionally invested For in sure. what you're doing yeah and yeah that's that's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it all came to a head this spring. Um, I trained really hard before I went to try Jumbo Love, and um, you know, I, I kind of I think I overtrained a little bit. Um, I I don't I wouldn't say that I developed any injuries, but I definitely like parts of my body weren't working as well as they once had. Right. Um, and then they weren't working as well as they once had. Right. Um, and then trying the hardest route of my life and then, you know, to, to further, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to put a little more, uh, heat under my ass, there was some kind of emotional things going on in my life personally as well. So it was just like kind of right before I left for, Switzerland in early May, I just kind of came to the realization of like, okay, I'm going to try something different for a little while. And, and that's what you, that's what this is all about. Right. Yeah. For sure. Like you kind of come to the end of the road and you have to have the foresight to say, I'm going to try something a little bit different, even though it feels risky, even though I know that I could do a month long handboarding session and my fingers would feel incredible by the end um you know they might not be any stronger than before but they would feel my strongest again and whatever i know i could follow the same whatever path um i think for me i just yeah i needed something different and i kind of gave up on the training went to switzerland um and that was the perfect opportunity for me to kind of just play and climb and i was by all means i was hustling and i was trying to climb hard and whatever but um you know, I had a lot of rainy days and uh, a lot of time spent alone and stuff, which was like kind of exactly what I feel like I needed. And when I got back, I felt super refreshed and a lot more motivated for my fall goals. And, um, and yeah, for the rest of the year, I'm kind of trying to not train indoors Mm -hmm. systematically like I have the last couple of years. I really want to see, you know, take a page from Ethan Pringle or from Chris Sharma two guys who are huge inspirations for me, um, neither of which have really ever done systematic training at right, all. Right. Um, and see if I can, you know, do <clears throat> this interdisciplinary thing and uh, like see where that can take me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they do that, that makes it work. Yeah. Is they can, they can switch back and forth between bouldering, sport climbing, going to do bigger stuff, you know, doing shorter, harder stuff, mm-hmm. whatever they switch back and forth often enough Mm -hmm. and are trying hard enough at all of those disciplines Mm -hmm. that, that it works for them. Yeah. And, and that's the main takeaway, your last sentence there. Cause I was always like, man, Chris Sharma is just like a genetic God. And it's like so unfair how good he is at climbing. He never has to train or whatever. And then you go to the crag and you climb with him and he, he has this like incredible balance between, um, like being so tranquilo and also, I mean, when he tries, he erupts with energy, you know, right. and that's exactly what you need if you're not going to go in the gym. Cause that's the same attitude I would bring into my training sessions mm-hmm. where it'd be like during my three minute rest or whatever, I was like 
bring my whole psych level down, way down, no like overstoker, like listen to my music, sit down, relax, prepare, and then go to the death when I was like hanging or, or lifting weights or whatever it was. And then again, come back down. And Chris like exemplifies that. I can totally understand how he's been climbing his whole life, never really trained and has gotten to where he is now because yeah, he, I mean, when he pulls onto <clears throat> the rock and tries, he might only try a couple times a day, but he's going to the death, you know, and right. not that many people can say that about their efforts outside for sure. Or whatever. And, and that's something I think you can work on. Totally. You know, it's totally, there's a lot more to progressing in this sport than just hangboarding or lifting weights no, or, totally. or whatever. Lot. There's yeah. a, a huge mental, emotional, psychological component mm-hmm. that I think those guys are really good at. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can, you know, Ethan just was very open about his struggles in the emotional end of climbing. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he, struggles with that stuff is part of what makes him so good because because he can be tapped into his emotions and and can do exactly what you just said you know Mm -hmm. he can go out not having you know climbed on something long and hard for a while and and just be so emotionally invested in it that he can he can perform really well on Mm -hmm. it right off the bat totally yeah you know and and i have a kind of one of the main things that I struggle with is this sense of like earning everything. And I, um, it's really hard for my, it's really hard for me to allow myself to, uh, accept success if I don't feel like I've prepared for it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be in the gym for three months before I try any project, but like, uh, like I, 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 you know, if I flew to Spain tomorrow, uh, like randomly someone was like oh here's a ticket to spain go for a month um i know like physically there's no reason why i couldn't perform but right. mentally i'd be like oh i was not ready i was not prepared for this mm-hmm. i'm not like emotionally and mentally prepared to try my hardest and I, I don't feel like i've kind of you know walked the path towards success um you, you know so i don't deserve it basically and it would probably be enough to prevent me from succeeding. Um, yeah. And that's like one of the biggest things for me because it's so strongly ingrained in, in myself. And I think that's, again, to, to, to bring it back to what we were speaking about before, I think that's part of the reason why it was so hard for me to let go of my like tendencies towards volume and towards like all this, all this junk training and like kind of going overboard because to me it was like, Oh dude, I went in the gym so hard the last month. Like right. I'm ready to, to prepare. And I could like look back in the moment of, you know, standing beneath the project. I could look back to the month I had just spent like getting, you know, getting so pumped. I wanted to barf in the gym every day yeah. and be like, okay, I deserve it, you know? And so that's the hardest that's one of the hardest things like emotionally that I have to like try and overcome. Um, Yeah. And I think we, I think we often mistake what going hard means. Yeah. You know, I think we, we always equate it with, like you just said that you have to puke after your session or you feel totally worked, Mm -hmm. but going hard can just as, just as well be what you were talking about with Nick Duddle where, or with Chris Sharma where he only ties in twice but but he goes a muerte that mm-hmm. those attempts, yeah. you know, and I think it's hard 
it, it, it is going hard to be able to bring yourself down, rest, you know, and, and wait for that next attempt. Mm-hmm. I think that's going just as hard as wrecking yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's a different kind of hard. It's not as physically hard for as long. It's mm-hmm. more mentally, emotionally, psychologically difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. totally. <clears throat> So are you bouldering now? Are you so, I mean, you were up in Lower Chaos yesterday. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, well, do you have bouldering goals? I, I do, yeah. I, I really would like to... I saw so much benefit last year after bouldering um, just in like being snappy and being powerful. Um, and I think I maintained my finger strength really well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it made my fingers stronger than, it w- than I would have in a training session, but I think it like kept me near... A level that I wanted to be at. Um, so I am really ambitious to do another bouldering cycle here, probably because I think it will improve, you know, chances of me climbing well in the fall, but also I think because I just like it now and it's fun and there's like yeah. really cool boulders that I want to try. And um, having that snappy feeling, I mean, that's a good feeling to have. For you sure. Know? Yeah. When you, when you climb and you know you can can explode like that. Totally. It's such a cool feeling. Totally. And that's <clears> what I'm principally lacking um and so it just feels cool i feel like like a hero when i'm like yeah i can jump (laughs) i can like grab that hold (laughs) fast you know it's like fun um but uh for the meantime i'm really motivated by um this route i'm trying on the diamond um i've been trying now for a couple weeks um it, it it initially it was mostly trying like as a rope solo and just like kind of logistically and and um like physically preparing like uh acclimatizing and stuff um and now i'm trying on the sharp end i just have tried once from the ground um and i'll try again tomorrow actually so that's that's my main kind of motivation for now and if i can hopefully get through that then then there's a few more trad routes i want to do and and also kind of mixing some bouldering between now and like the middle or the end of september yeah that's really cool i'm I'm glad you're going that route instead of, you know, constantly pushing against the ceiling of grades. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important, like we just talked about with Chris and Ethan, mm-hmm. to step back and and like you're like you're calling it an interdisciplinary approach mm-hmm. to climbing. You know, I think that's that's probably the way forward for so many people, starting even at the bottom levels. You yeah, know, all the way up to the top levels. Totally. Because you're going to avoid burnout. Totally. You know, when you're doing different moves and grabbing different holds, you're going to avoid injury. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really cool way to approach it. And we, when we were up at Lower Chaos yesterday and I heard you say, you know, I'm going to bed at eight tomorrow night because I'm climbing on the diamond on Sunday. Yeah. I just think that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, I really yeah. think loving all the disciplines is the way to go and the way to becoming a better climber. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, and I think, like you said, more than anything, it's all rock climbing, right? But, I mean, man, the difference between a day in Rifle, a day on the Diamond, and a day in Lower Chaos is immense. Yeah, it's huge. Both, like, physically, mentally, like, you know, the way you interact with your partners, like, socially. um, And so it's refreshing to change. Yeah, and the more you do it, you know, the the easier you can flip that switch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if I just boulder for months and months, and then I go try to climb a sport route, 
it's a shit show because yeah, yeah, I, I can't totally. flip that switch, you know? Yeah. But, you know, Nate and I have been on the road for a week now and we are, we've, I sport climbed the day before I hooked up with him and since we've bouldered and trad climbed and, mm-hmm. you know, we've climbed on Vita Vu Granite, we've climbed at Lincoln Lake, we've climbed at mm-hmm. Lower Chaos. Awesome. So it's been, you know, it's been really fun switching from rock types and, totally. you know, grip types and, you know, I, I envy that because I, I grew up in the red and, mm-hmm. you know, it's grabbing horizontal sandstone edges forever and ever and ever mm-hmm. for the most part. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that I always really try and communicate to um, all levels of climbers, but certainly beginners and certainly like, like intermediate level climbers is try to i had a goal like early on in my climbing that i wanted to climb 514 on all the rock types Mm -hmm. and i think that even if that goal is 510 or 511 or whatever or even if it's just like hey every weekend in september i'm going to climb on a different rock type and of course you know depending on where you live that can be quite limiting right but you know in colorado it's pretty it's quite possible Mm -hmm. in um in the west in general um oregon washington whatever it's quite possible i think that that's such an incredible way because the demands of like like sandstone versus granite versus um you know volcanic tough versus you know limestone they're like this they're so different and the hold types are different the way it's gonna like you know the way it's gonna stress your fingers and your arms and whatever Mm -hmm. um and that i always suggest that to people is like an awesome kind of way to improve you know i think that if you know i think that people could could jump around between between rock types and and then furthermore bouldering sport climbing track climbing whatever if you're into that like man that's gonna you're gonna your skill set is gonna be enormous yeah and i think that's the big takeaway here is you know follow this sort of interdisciplinary approach that you're advocating you know, have have big goals mm-hmm. in in the different disciplines, mm-hmm. but constantly switch it up, and to take a back seat and learn from people. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I definitely think that's the the big takeaway here. Yeah. So, man, thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, taking man. some time out. Yeah, totally. Good luck on the diamond tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks. Hopefully, right. it happens. <laughs> All right. I'll see you soon, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Take care. You know, it takes a lot of courage to make changes, uh, particularly in the public eye. And, you know, J-Star is one of the best sport climbers in the country and is definitely in the public eye. A lot of people look to him for what he's doing. So, you know, to make those changes and put them out there, I think that's that's big of him. And I really appreciate his insight and this conversation. Um, you know, he also shares his failures. Recently, he spent eight weeks on Pachamama 15A in Spain only to walk away without a send, his longest longest project and biggest goal without um, completion. And you can go read his blog, which is at jstarinorbit.com, one of the few climbers that keeps uh, a blog anymore, and his is really excellent. Um, he's a really great writer, always has great photos, and really lets you into his process. So definitely go check out JSTAR in Orbit and read his, his accounts of Pachamama and you know what that felt like. Also, you know, in this, in this conversation with JSTAR, he mentions that he's headed out to the diamond uh, 
the day after we talked. And, uh, and he sent uh, the, the direct Dunn West Bay. And his account of that send is one of the, one of the best pieces of writing about you know, how it felt to do something that big and that important to him. And he did it with his dad. And I really think you guys should go read that. I will link to it on the post on our website, powercompanyclimbing.com. Uh, you can go check that out um, and read his account. And, uh, you know, like I told you guys before, we're headed to So Ill. Uh, we're going to be there for a week's worth of workshops. If you're interested in any private sessions, hit us up. We're also doing our first live podcast there. So if you're in the St. Louis area, please come through. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, Nate's got some openings. If you're interested in a custom plan with Nate, definitely touch base with me through the website. And uh, as always, you know, share us on your social medias. Um, you know, you can find us on the Facebook, the Pinterest, the Instagrams. Uh, you can share us on Twitter, too. Um, you won't find us on Twitter because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this